You are listening to Stories from the Heart, inspiring tales of life, love, and learning, presented by the Camarillo Healthcare District. In this episode, Johanna Fredericks of Camarillo, California, takes us on her journey as a caregiver to her mother and the peace she found after getting her own diagnosis and finding a path forward. I attended a Catholic elementary school in a small town in northern New England called Sanford, Maine. It was the mid-1970s. I was in fourth grade math with Sister Alma. Now She was barely five feet tall. A strong gust of wind would have easily sent her to the ground. You could describe her as conservative, French, Canadian, New England, Yankee traditionalist, and seriously, she had a huge chip on her shoulder toward any outsider especially one from big, bad, and dirty New York. She set her sights on making me the target of her disdain. One day, a few moments before the lunch bell, she decided to fill the time with one of those impromptu multiplication drills. She divided the class and began a rapid fire. Two times 10, 76 times 16, on and on like a tennis volley. The students would cheer, of course, when the person answered correctly. But like any class of fourth graders, get the answer incorrect and the earth could not swallow you fast enough. My question was, what is two times zero? Two, I said. And I swear, the second I said it, I knew I was incorrect. Like a superhero villain, I could feel her white hot stare burning holes in mine, like those squinty stares that you see in those spaghetti westerns when someone dares to question the protagonist. Then the roar of, oh, resembled the roar of a jet engine as it passes overhead. It only intensified the terror that consumed me. When I sat down, wishing I could just disappear, she made certain I would never forget this moment. I was silent, speechless, really. I couldn't lift my, lift my head to look at her. I could feel myself trying to say something, anything at that moment, but nothing came out. I think... I think I croaked out something like, I thought we were adding, which really was true. In my mind, I heard a two and I heard a zero. So in the millisecond that she pointed at me in, and my answer, I knew only that two and zero means two. And in front of the jeering class saying to me in a stern voice and with those steely eyes, what do you mean you thought you were adding? We went over this before. What are you, stupid? Well, of course the others laughed and I could hear their eyes rolling. My mother would tell me that I should, quote, know how to do the figures in my head. No matter how I went about the process, I could not seem to convince her or anyone else for that matter that I did not possess the ability. I needed a calculator and I needed it in order to figure out math problems like how much to tip a server, how to balance my checkbook. I could figure simple percentages based on 10%, and then I could do division and addition, but subtraction, mm -mm, another story. The process of borrowing and placeholders, it was a problem that would always confuse me. Advanced math of any sort was out of the question. I am so grateful that calculators are no longer considered a crutch, as she used to call them. However, in order to complete my high school education, college prerequisites, and eventually receive my degree, 
I really would have to find a way to conquer this. I was one of the choir kids who dreamed of a career in the arts. No math needed. I had a pretty decent singing voice, or so I thought. I was comfortable in front of an audience. I was sure that my voice and my acting skills would catapult me to fame and fortune. Inspired by the motion picture Fame, a movie that showcased a group of artistically gifted students attending the High School of Performing Arts in New York City, I took all the music and drama classes that were offered at my suburban Southern California high school. Living in Orange County, the next door neighbor to Hollywood, I thought it seemed really pretty easy. Just put my car in drive, get on the five freeway and head north to the promised land. As much as I thought that was my path, life intervened. It's not to say that I didn't try. I appeared in student films. I was that diner in the restaurant or that traveler in the train station and other situations that called for a crowd of people. I worked hard. I really did work hard and I did my best to prepare, but it didn't take long before it became clear to me that in a world with long-legged beauties at the time like Daryl Hannah and Brooke Shields, a four foot 11 plain looking brunette was not in that much demand, except for maybe a crowd scene. In 1982, the, the same year I graduated high school, my mother suffered a work injury that would set the stage for the remainder of her life and the direction of mine. She was diagnosed with a torn rotor rotator cuff, carpal tunnel, and knee issues. These were career ending for her job in transportation. So she went on, underwent several surgeries and was then medically retired. Now with the advantage of hindsight, I could have continued to pursue my goals. I probably should have taken the initiative and moved to DC. I should have taken that scholarship and acceptance to George Washington University that I had really, really worked hard to, to achieve. But how could I do it? My mom needed me. She was not co the cooperative patient that you see in television commercials, always smiling and eager to listen to medical advice. She was adamant that no one outside of our home would be taking care of her. So I knew if I left, I would not be able to concentrate on my studies. So my life had to be put on hold. Each morning I would make her meals. She'd be she was advised by her doctors to eat a diet that would help to manage her weight, make it less stressful on her heart, her kidneys, and her blood pressure. Having been medically retired, then she also gave up smoking and probably a fair amount of undiagnosed depression. She was at risk of doing serious damage to herself if she didn't take her health more seriously. I would assist her with bathing, dressing, accompanying her to doctor's appointments, picking up her medications at the pharmacy, all while trying to do my best to keep the house clean. Looking back, I was so focused on the little victories that I scored, I failed to acknowledge the bigger signs. I did not have any sort of a roadmap or anything available to me to know how to prepare for what was happening. In the 1980s, the concept of quote caregiver was unheard of in my family. My mom's family was working class. She would never consider a stranger coming into our home to assume the duties of a caregiver when she had a daughter 
that could do it for free. And the irony is that she aspired to be a nurse. However, she was adamant she was fine and, quote, did not need help. While caring for her, I became isolated. I thought I might attend or attempt to attend community college and work towards an associate's degree, but it really was naive of me to even consider it. There just wasn't time and my aversion to math continued to eat away at my self-confidence. In 2003, congestive heart failure, diabetes, and other health problems took my mother at age 73. Those first few days following her death were some of the most anxious of my life. My sister and I were left to figure out if we would even be able to keep the house, pay my mom's outstanding debts, and continue our educations, all while trying to cope with the emotional toll that comes with losing your only parent. I'm, I worried a lot. And the woman who always, always rested control, she didn't leave a current or accurate will. So without that, we had to begin the process of probate. I didn't know if my sister and I would have a home to live in or where we would go if we had to move. She was busy pursuing her first master's degree and trying her best to manage school, full-time work, and the emotional toll of having lost a parent. And then I didn't have any marketable skills to start a career. Slowly, I began to find my way. I stopped at the local Target and found out that they were hiring. I was honest about my job history, or lack of, but they took a chance on me. I went back to community college at 42. I began with one class. I was usually the oldest student in the class, a lot of times older than the teacher, but I really didn't care. I began to take additional classes so that I could meet the admission requirements to transfer to a university. I wanted to study political science and law. I also liked research and academia, so I thought that was also a path I could pursue. But again, math reared its ugly head. My plans were seriously derailed when I couldn't pass algebra. Each time I retook the class, I felt like there was something seriously wrong with me. In my mind, I could hear, if I don't pass the class, I won't be able to transfer, then I won't get my degree, then I won't be able to make a living, then I'll lose the house. I became paralyzed with fear and dread. I was that child right back in Sister Alma's class again, only this time it manifested itself in bouts of intense, intense anxiety. I also began to overeat. I was not exercising and my sleep patterns were off. I would come home from work at around 11 p.m., turn on the TV, have a snack, and then another, and then before I knew it, it was three in the morning. And I can't say that my grades suffered because as far as any attempt at math classes, they were always already as low as they could get. I could see progress I was making, I could see the progress I was making since my mother's death, but only so far. Without being able to pass out of math, I had no hope of achieving my goals. At the suggestion of my instructor at the time, I went to the guidance counselor's office. I showed him some of my work he pulled up my transcripts and asked if I had ever been evaluated. 
He said I should get tested to see if there's some anomaly that prevents me from understanding math. I sat in the academic office answering a battery of math questions. The second part of the test was a series of word problems. The third component was to physically assemble a series of colored blocks so that they would resemble a picture in the example. That's how I learned about dyscalculia. Difficulty counting backwards, difficulty remembering basic facts, slow to perform calculations, weak mental arithmetic skills, a poor sense of numbers, difficulty in understanding place value, addition is often the default operation, high levels of math anxiety, check, check, and check. As much as I was relieved, I finally had an answer as to why I couldn't do the math. When I started taking classes at Cal State San Bernardino, the admissions department was aware, aware of my situation. They were willing to take a chance on me, just like Target. The counseling department arranged for me to take a course called bioinformatics, a combination of computer information, math, and the relationship to everyday life. I squeaked by with a C. The relief of knowing that I no longer had this in my way was the greatest gift. I held down two part-time jobs. I was at school two to three days a week. It wasn't easy, but I plowed through. I graduated at 53 with a Bachelor of Arts in Literature in June of 2015. I was also working full-time at my local library by then. After almost 15 years, I took another chance and I changed careers. Working at the Camarillo Healthcare District has given me a chance to experience the courage and strength of families and caregivers firsthand. I really am grateful to have the experience I had caring for my mother. It wasn't easy, but I know all I could do was my best. I use those moments to help others. I'll always appreciate the thrill of singing and acting. However, I've learned that as much as we think we can plan our lives, change is constant. Embrace it and see where it'll take you. Thank you for listening to Stories from the Heart, inspiring tales of life, love, and learning, presented by the Camarillo Healthcare District. If you would like to share your story, please visit www.camhealth.com and fill out our form under Share Your Story. You will work with a storytelling coach to fine-tune your story for broadcast. We are looking for people to share health or caregiving journeys, to talk about personal experience, moments in time, and lessons learned while navigating life. These life stories will paint a visual picture with words. They should be five to 10 minutes long and must be primarily about the storyteller and their truths, experiences, and emotions.